Welcome to MedTech Speed to Data, a KeyTech podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rogers, VP of Business Development at KeyTech. Each month, me and a KeyTecher are going to interview a MedTech leader and talk to them about the critical data-driven decisions they make in their programs. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 13 of MedTech Speed to Data, a KeyTech podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rogers, VP of Business Development at KeyTech. Today, we're joined by Danica Mackesy, partner and senior mechanical engineer at KeyTech. We're here to talk about the episode we just recorded with Dave Saunders, CTO at Galen Robotics. Danica, welcome to the show. Hi, Andy. Thanks for having me on. All right. Yeah. Thanks for joining. So, uh, Danica, you're on the show today because in the past, you've worked on a lot of different products. Obviously, you've been at KeyTech for quite a while now, but you've worked on surgical robotics platforms in the past. And I would say, like myself, you're a good steward of solid uh, design practices. You've designed to meet IEC 60601, and you've been to the school of hard knocks, I'm sure, on quality, design for quality. So we're going to talk about all those things today, following up on the interview with uh, with Dave Saunders. So again, Danica, thanks for joining. So <laughs> we, we do talk a lot with uh, startup companies uh, like Galen Robotics that, that inherit either university prototypes or they've developed their own sort of first-of-its-kind prototype uh, with blinders on just to get a functional prototype out the door um, and, and get it in front of customers. Uh, but, you know, as, as, as you've seen, you know, we find that a lot of those, those companies are, they're just trying to get their product out the door, but perhaps they need to start looking backwards from, you know, what is it going to take this pro- get this product on the market? So that's what I wanted to talk a little bit about with you uh, today in, in the context of this Galen Robotics uh, interview we did. Um, so, you know, what, what we want to talk about are, I would say, you know, key considerations um, that product designers should, should take into account when you're uh, inheriting an early prototype or, or developing your first prototype. And now you're, you're ready to go to market following FDA design control uh, practices. So, you know, the first consideration uh, is clear as day with, with most medical device startups is get as much uh, frequent uh, feedback from your end user. That could be the user of the product or your ultimate customer. Um, so, I, you know, th- those activities are so important for defining the right requirements for your product early on. What are the user requirements? Just kind of early validation uh, that the product you're developing is meeting a customer need, number one. Number two, that once you know you've met that need, that the features that you're putting in place um, you know, actually resonate with, with the end user. Uh, Danica, in your experience, you know, how have you seen or how have you interacted with users to get key insights early on in product development? Sure. It's definitely something that you think about with any medical device that you do. But when you move into the world of a surgical robot, where it's so important for those surgeons to feel comfortable and confident when they're performing their surgery, you want to make sure that you're working with them to really create a system that's going to augment what they're doing and not create additional challenges. Uh, A a problem that we actually had seen run into at one point was a fatigue issue where when there wasn't enough early on working together with the clinicians, they found that they brought something that was a, a pretty late stage prototype out to be used and the motion was something that was going to be done for a long period of time. 
and just hadn't had a chance to dial it in. And it was, it was a new uh, and putting a little bit of a stress on the wrists. So get out there early. Uh, something that we try to do is fail as early as possible. It's so much easier to change things at that point. You don't have to wait for having all of your fancy actuators in place and the exact uh, setup of the actual robot. Uh, prototype the handles, put some weight on the end of them and get them out in the hands of your surgeons. Have them start going through those motions and learn what they do and don't like about it. Continue to iterate and get more things out to them. So we try to have as many uh, early formative studies as we can with end users. Exactly. Yeah. Galen Robotics, it seems like every month they were getting in front of, of uh, end users in hospitals. And <clears throat> my favorite part of that interview was uh, when Dave said that if you start not hearing uh, negative feedback from your from your end users, you know you start to panic. So just get out there and get as much feedback, whether it's good or bad. Um, uh, definitely a, a key consideration. Um, another consideration that we'll talk about here, Danica, and, and um, you know I'm guilty of it. Being an engineer, you get so focused on the details. You can just ask my wife when uh, there's something goes wrong around the house. I'm always just focused on the one problem and. She usually steps in behind me and is like flips the switch or something, something ridiculous like that. But like, you know, from from an engineering perspective, it's so important to take that like systems view, um, particularly in surgical robotics, right, where you're you can get dialed in as you as you use the word sort of like just an actuator design or something like that and forget about the system view. What, what do you have to add about that? Yeah. And I think it makes a lot of sense that early on you're really focused on what is that core piece of the technology and the actual part of the, the robotic system that is uh, creating this new platform. But you're creating an entire system. Do you have a control module that needs to live somewhere near the robot? Do you have a monitor that your surgeon is going to need to look at during the surgery or a nurse needs to look at? Do you uh, need to interact with the patient in a way that doesn't interrupt a sterile boundary? Uh, so you might need to consider having a plastic drape that you have to somehow work through. And these all seem like details when you're talking about it. And why would you focus on that when you just want to, to deal with that core technology? But if you wait too long to think about them, instead of it just being nicely integrated into the entire system, you're going to end up having to backtrack and make things work that things could be in the way a little bit more than would be ideal. And again, it's coming back to not creating additional problems and challenges, but you want this to work in concert with what's already going on in the OR. And with that, uh, you really need to think of every single piece of the system together. Yeah, no, that's great, Danica. I mean, another way to think about systems thinking is risk-based thinking. These are, these are basic tenets of key tech product development. Um, you know, when we talk about risk-based, uh, that, that brought up one of the one um, prior project you had where you know you have to think about failure modes right so you you mentioned drape design for drape things like that that seem like details but another failure mode to think about or risk is if the robot stops working um how do you deal with that scenario do you want to expand on that one sure whenever you're looking at the risk of a product you want to think about what are all of the ways that something could go wrong what are the different hazards that you could foresee and then what happens if that does go wrong? Uh, and so with what you're talking about, what we had seen is, do you need a way for the surgeon to take back over where maybe your robot was the one who was controlling the motion, but now something happened 
you want to have a manual override. How is the transition from that surgical robot controlling the motion to your operator going to happen? You want to make sure there's not, can imagine if it's something that's being suspended in air inside of a patient, it can't just drop at some point. So you really need to consider what that smooth transition is. And that's something that actually we found needed to be baked into the core mechanism design. So once again, don't wait until the end to think about this. It's something that you want to be considering throughout the design, and it's going to make it a much more uh, impactful part of the, the entire mechanism. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking more about you know the end in mind, uh, having been there, uh, you know, trying to trying to sleep the night before uh, a 60601 safety test. You know, this standard just is always lurking in medical device development, in particular with uh, collaborative robotics or, you know, in our next episode of the KeyTech uh, podcast here, a cybernetic robot. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll tune in, you'll hear about that one. But, you know, designing with 60601 in mind, again, you don't want to get towards the end of product development and then throw your throw your prototype in for a, a initial 60601 evaluation and and fail. Um, so Danica, you want to talk a little bit about meeting 60601 requirements? Again, just like you said, you want to consider it early. You don't want to go to a test lab and be surprised. Do whatever you can in advance to really pre-screen yourself. Uh, so if you have uh, a lot of your surgical robot instruments are going to need to have a small footprint so that they're not taking up too much space but you might have some pretty heavy things that are sitting high up on them. What are the tipping requirements on that? Uh, do they need to move around and you have to make sure that it's able to get over a cord on the ground without falling over? Um, so those are tests that are, are very clearly defined in 6601 and we've taken the tests and just recreated them in our own office and create the thresholds that it's going to need to go over, put the force at the exact height that they say, and make sure that it's not going to fail. Or if it does, learn from it and adapt from it. And then before you get out to that test lab, you've already seen that success. Uh, on the electrical side, uh, you have a, a pretty high voltage system that's going to be in direct contact potentially with somebody who is not able to say ouch. So you really need to ensure that you are considering um, what 6601 asks for are two different means of patient protection. So do you have enough distance between that current and air gap and the patient if that's feasible? If not, uh, do you have creepage, which is going to, to be the distance that it'll have to travel or insulation or earth ground? And what we'll do is create these insulation diagrams that'll really show all of the stack ups between where that voltage is sitting and where the patient side is. Um, and that's something that we can present along with getting the testing done to show that we've really considered 6601 and the patient and operator safety throughout. Yeah, you can definitely get lost in those standards. So, you know, one, of the, one other, I guess, recommendation we, we provide uh, to startups early on is these test labs will come in and provide a free, or not free, for a small fee, an evaluation of your product against the standard. I mean, that's money incredibly well spent where, you know, you have, uh, in some cases, the, the folks that are actually going to be running the tests and signing off on your documentation saying, hey, you know, have you considered this, this aspect of the standard or this, this failure mode? 
make sure you meet this requirement or here's how we're going to run this this water ingress test because this is how we see you know your product um falling against the standard so i don't know um i've i've, I've taken advantage of that service i don't know danica if you've been a part of those at all yeah we've definitely had conversations with test labs early on to to understand uh, so certain things you you could fall into one category or another um, and again it's just not something you want to be surprised about later so have the conversations, understand it a little bit more about how they will perform the tests. And sometimes just an hour on the phone with somebody can make a huge impact on uh, what your plan is after that. One, one other consideration when you're trying to transition from an early prototype to you know, a commercially viable medical device product, uh, this is gonna sound kind of old fashioned here, but just good design practices, cabling, uh, is, is one area. Danica, I know you worked on a project where cabling was, was a key concern. Do you want to expand on that one? Sure. It's definitely not the most exciting part of designing your system, but can imagine that there are a lot of electrical connections that are going to need to be made from the front end of your robot all the way to the wall. And so how can you make sure that your cables aren't going to get in the way, first of all, of any articulation that needs to happen? Uh, but then beyond that, this is something that isn't just a prototype that's being shown off once or twice. It's going to live in a hospital and it's going to need to not have cables breaking from wear as you are going through the entire lifetime of it. So think about with cable routing, do you have space for it to route? How are you able to, to secure it in place and make sure it has uh, the smooth articulation when it needs it and the structure when, when you need to keep it in place? Uh, so. We've definitely seen that. Not, I've seen it on the surgical robot platform, but it's in almost any one of our designs that has something moving uh, that we really try to think about that early on between the electrical engineers and the mechanical engineers and even the industrial designers making sure that it's not all of a sudden creating an eyesore that you didn't intend to be there. Yeah, and another way to get that feedback that, that we've seen is just working with manufacturers, right? So it could be a cabling vendor you know, so you, you don't have just a bunch of EEs twisting, twisting cables together, or twisting wires together and calling it a cable, like get feedback from folks that make these, you know, for a living, both on the component and at the assembly level. And, you know, we're seeing that across all the projects at KeyTech. You have to get manufacturer insights early, like at the point where we're talking about where we're doing an early assessment of these university prototypes. You know, how are you going to assemble this thing? What, what's the, the ultimate cost of the product? Is will it be reliable and does it meet your meet your business goals? So, you know, a lot of considerations here. You know, certainly we can sympathize with with startup companies. Most of these surgical robotics uh, folks that we talk with are startups. So, you know, you're you're working on a six month sort of timeline all the time, trying to get to the next milestone to get more funding and things like that. But you know, so we recognize that you know you kind of have to just focus on what you can, what's most important for the business at the time. Certainly, we can talk on a podcast all day about all the things you need to, to worry about, but sometimes um, there's only budget for so much. So we can definitely sympathize there. But I think, uh, Danica, you'd agree that, you know, you really need to focus on these areas, right? Like getting to the user, thinking at, it at the system level, considering the risks, focus on 60601 and make sure what you're making is manufacturable so that it's reliable and you don't get get tripped up when you go from design to manufacturing. That can be a headache too. So you want to get that feedback early on. So uh, I don't know, Danica, anything else to add? I'm not, I'm not doing as much design work these days as, as you are. 
Yeah, I think it it really is. You you said a lot of it about how there is that that core technology that I think is usually the main focus, but just trying to take a step back and think about what is everything that's going to be impactful? What's the entire system that you're looking at? And what are all of the hazards? Um, it's something that with everything that we do, um, we really want to make sure is thought about early. And isn't. I think the big thing that we've said this whole time is just don't leave it to the end because it's always so much harder to come back. So if this isn't your area of expertise, you know, what partners can you bring in place so that things can be happening in concert with each other and uh, not separate islands? Great. Well said, Danica. All right. Well, that's it, everybody. So uh, thanks again for tuning in to MedTech Speed to Data, Key Tech Podcast. We'll see you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to MedTech Speed to Data, a Key Tech Podcast. Join us each month for more ways to get the right data faster to inform critical decisions. Find additional resources on our website, keytechinc.com. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe and please leave a review on iTunes whenever you listen. Thanks.